I've been going back and forth about what I want to say in this episode, and maybe the best place to start is an explanation. Yeah, it was four years ago that I started this podcast, and around that time, we got the news that Sarah's mom, Danette, was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. So instantly, doing this podcast became a really tricky thing for me because on one hand, I made this decision to be raw and open and honest about what was going on at any given point in time uh, within me, uh, what was happening in my mind, the things I was thinking about, the things that were going on in my life. But on the other hand, I made the decision I wanted to be respectful of Sarah and her family's privacy as they were navigating this as well. But even as I was trying to be respectful of that and not talk about it, listeners of the podcast started hearing clues that Sarah and I were dealing with something heavy, like the intro to question number 37 in uh, like, I think that was in June of 2018. Sarah and I were recording the intro at our dining room table like we always do when we were interrupted uh, by a call from her parents uh, giving an update about the chemo treatment that Danette was going through. At the time, it was technically good news, but there I, I was with the microphones rolling and I just couldn't contain myself because although this was good news, like it still was a, a constant and ever-present reminder of this pain and frustration in this shitty situation we were all in together. But because of that, I had a ton of you write into me and say, hey, I don't know what you're going through, uh, but whatever it is, uh, we're sending great good vibes, prayers your way, whatever that, whatever language you personally used, uh, a lot of you sent that our way with also a lot of questions. Hey, is everything all right? What's going on? So this is what's been going on. Uh, a few weeks ago, after a heroic three-plus battle with ovarian cancer, uh, Sarah's mom, Danette, passed away. Or as Sarah likes to say, uh, she traded the earth for the stars. Now, conversations about death and grief are no strangers to this, po this podcast. Uh, like question 19, I sat down uh, with a stranger who has now become my friend because of this podcast, Jim Albinson, who was a mortician to talk about what I can learn from him about life and his loss in his life. Uh, question number three with my buddy, Steve Gould, we talked about uh, him losing his dad uh, earlier that year. Question number two uh, with my buddy, Joel Bowers, uh, we had a conversation about the loss of his mom to cancer. Yeah, none of this is a stranger to this podcast and these conversations. But instead of talking about death right now, uh, frankly, because I just don't have it in me, but I've rewritten what I wanted to talk about in this podcast episode like three or four times. Right now, I, I don't want to talk about dying necessarily. I want to talk about living. I want to talk about you and I want to talk about me and I want to talk about the things we're making or we're going to make this year. I want to talk about Guy Fieri. Uh, he has that show called called Dives, Diners, and Drive-Ins. Uh, if you've ever seen it on like the, the Food Network. I want to talk about Kevin Smith. I want to talk about what they have in common and I want to talk about why every single thing that you are making right now is sacred.
The Summer Day, a poem by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? The grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. How to fall down into the grass. How to kneel down in the grass. How to be idle and blessed. How to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? When I was in college, uh, studying music here in Minneapolis, I just moved up here and it was right around the time when I first started doing some of my first sessions in uh, professional recording studios. Uh, I was reading this book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's by an author named Stephen Covey, 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 I don't know how you pronounce his last name. He talks about the importance of having an end goal with whatever project, life, situation, no matter what's in front of you, begin with the end in mind is what he says. And so I started thinking about that and having conversations with friends of mine uh, when it came to recording an album. And I started realizing that the natural end in mind is like the end of the CD, right? <laughs> CD. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That even said CD. I guess, yeah, I guess I say CD because uh, that was the end goal. Well, at that time, I started having these feelings or these thoughts to myself that that's not the end of the album. That's the end of like our input and in creating this. But the real end of anything we were making was actually what the person who is listening to it brought to the table. <laughs> I mean, this sounds so cheesy, but here I am. Uh, I'm 19 and I'm giving, I started giving like these pre almost like Many, many micro encouraging sermons in in the studio session right before we started recording. And I, and I would talk about the why we were recording this album. Like I would talk about how important this was. Like the finished thing after we make this, that finished thing isn't going to be finished until someone listens to it and they connect with this. And it was so for some reason at that time in my mind, I had like this, like this, like it was a crystal clear image of a some teenager that was at home and they're they're going through like shitty circumstances in life and like maybe maybe their mom and dad were fighting in the other room and they were they were like going to their bedroom and hiding and putting on headphones and playing this album as like an ex an escape from that time in life that this could be something we will never we may never know uh, how this uh, this album, this thing that we're working on, may impact somebody else in the future. This could save somebody's life. And uh, for years afterwards, I kind of I, I kind of stopped doing that. I kind of stopped saying those things because I kind of felt 
kind of felt embarrassed and cheesy. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm making the too big of a deal out of this. Maybe this is just, maybe we're just making something for fun and that's enough. So I stopped giving those uh, mini session sermons, if you will. Uh, Frankly, because I just, uh, like so many other times in my life, like so many other times looking back on some of the episodes in this podcast, I felt cheesy. I felt embarrassed. I was like, who, nobody wants that guy showing up to a freaking session who's like, oh, making a big deal out of everything. It's just, maybe that's just too weird. That was until uh, earlier this year. I was making a drive back from Nebraska by myself, and I was listening to a podcast interview with Kevin Smith, a director best known for these uh, goofy stoner movies like Mallrats or Clerks. Maybe you've seen Dogma or Chasing Amy. When you think of Kevin Smith as a director in the movies he's put out, uh, you may not think of someone that is doing this for a higher purpose or a deeper meaning. I certainly didn't. So, you know, I think they're just like stoner, goofy comedies. I mean, even this podcast episode that I was listening to, he was mainly talking about cannabis and how he had, how his impact on finding that later in life for him and the impact that has had his creative process. And the conversation was fun. It was lighthearted all until he got to this moment talking about uh, him when he shows up on set to direct something. Uh, he shares what he talks to the cast and crew about. And it was one of those moments that gave me so much solidarity and made me realize maybe I shouldn't have stopped doing these talks. You know, now I don't direct the movies as much as host the movies. So like I do a lot more talking to the entire cast and crew. Like everything begins with me telling them exactly where we are in the day, the production, the universe, how great they've done so far, what we're hoping to get here. And I go real and go deep and go quick and talk about how like I almost fucking died. So I don't have time to just be facetious anymore. This shit means something, ladies and gentlemen, like it's a goofy ass movie, but I've now done these goofy ass movies long enough to know that this goofy ass movie will be the one thing that saves somebody's life one day. Go figure. I know that because I've been told that about the rest of my goofy ass movies. So what we do here is important. You should see, like I go up and direct Supergirl, man. Like I I come off like a priest where I'm just like, the work we do here is sacred because the people it touches I've met in my real life and their lives are miserable, man, but they fucking love that one hour a week when Kara takes them to a different place. Like it's important. So we're not just, we're all punching a clock and cashing checks and this is better than working for a living because we get to make pretend, but never forget that we're making something that's gonna outlast us. They'll be watching this shit when we're dead. And even though we have to make one this week and you guys will make another one that week after and right away another one after that, this is going to be the most important hour of somebody's life at the right time. And they will revisit it over and over again as a source of comfort when things get miserable. So as that guy, like artists, you know, uh, people on, on the crew, the cast, they love that version of the director, Kevin Smith, because you're you're giving them the feels in a good way, you know, not the, not the bad way on the movie set. Going right for the heart where, you know, this is why we do it. You got to reduce it back to like, why are you here? And yes, we like the money and the time, but you're here because you wanted to spend your life playing. You didn't want to be like everybody else who put their shit away and became an adult. You were like, let's keep making pretend. You're breathing rarefied air. So let's deal with life from that breathing of rarefied air place. Let's deal with it right from the heart, from the feels. What else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, 
What is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Five weeks ago, um, Sarah and I found ourselves in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, um, at her parents' place. And her mom had taken a turn for the worse. It was a living hell. When we got there, uh, the hospice had uh, installed a, a hospital bed in their living room. And uh, in the background, uh, oftentimes we had just the TV on. Uh, as we just we, we were just sitting there, so we had the TV on. And as so many other times of our visits, spending time there, uh, what was on in the background was the Food Network. I mean, as all although food, the Food Network is not my number one choice of broadcasting. Let's just say, uh, food, uh, whether you know cooking at home or going out to restaurants, talking uh, talking about what we're eating, talking about what we're going to eat next, talking about so what we want to try. It was such a massive part of our relationship as a family. They, we all just love food. Uh, and so oftentimes the Food Network was on, has, was on in the background um, when we were there. And uh, this time wasn't an exception except for on in the background was... Diners, drive-ins, and dives. I don't know if you've ever seen the show before, but the concept is that guy drives around in different cities. He pulls in on a classic convertible and he pulls up to diners, drive-ins, or dive restaurants, family-run, typically, these spots, these local spots. And he goes in and he's a, just a total goofball and he connects with the owners and the staff and they interview people and they talk about the food that they're making and he's always gushing about it. So, man, he is, he's a total goofball uh, and he's like totally over the top and he can be totally obnoxious at times. And now, actually, uh, just as I'm recording this right now, I'm realizing um, we have a, a hell of a lot of similarities. <laughs> it's like most reviews of this podcast out there are like, yeah, Rob is just like, everything seems to excite him when he's talking about people. He's just pumped about everything. Uh, maybe Guy and I have uh, some more in common than I thought. Now, here's the deal. I don't personally really watch. We don't have uh, cable TV here at our place, and I don't personally watch the Food Network. But sometimes I just forget how many freaking people there are in the world watching things. And I, I, I'm reminded of this because this show is like a calling card where, you know, I think of the places in Minneapolis who are, are like smaller dive restaurants. Uh, once guy comes in and features them on their show, they end up blowing up. Like they have people traveling in from out of town to check it out. I keep forgetting how many freaking people watch this show. And so there I was sitting uh, holding the hand of my mother-in-law as she was dying uh, and she was sleeping and it was quiet and it was just us two in the room. And once again, on in the background, his guy after <laughs> doing his freaking show, interviewing someone about uh, the new crazy veggie burger that they invented or something like that. And I'm sitting there and I started thinking about it. And I started having all these questions coming to my mind, not necessarily about the show, but about the world that I exist in. I exist in a world of people making things. And my job 
full-time for the past decade has been to partner with artists and musicians to help them make something. Sitting there thinking about it, thinking about Guy and him and his process and putting himself out there. Yeah, I'm sure Guy and his team understand the impact they have on the small businesses because that's measurable, right? You can see that. You can see the uh, the foot traffic before and after they have been featured on the show. But what about the unmeasurable things in life? What about the intangibles, the things that the stories that will never be known to someone like him who's making something? Does does he is he aware of what's going on in the rooms that his show is creating the background ambience of forever for the rest of my life? When I think back to those final the final days uh, with Danette whether they were in their living room or they were uh, what followed in the hospice wing of the hospital there in Cedar Rapids. Both of those rooms, I will forever, uh, her face in those rooms will forever be tied with the face of Guy Fieri on the TV in the background. And I got home from all of this. And once like the oxygen uh, started coming back in my brain after all this. I started thinking about you and I started thinking about me and I started thinking about the things that we are making right now, the projects that we are currently in the middle of, the things that we have been, you know, holding out in front of us uh, dur- during this past year with everything that's been going on with COVID that we're like, I can't wait for this all to be over so that we can we can finally get back to doing this, whatever that is for you. We live in a freaking world where the measurables are intricately tied to everything we do. And rightfully so. Like we have to be compensated for our work. We have to keep the lights on in our homes, in our studios. We got to pay our bills. As Guy Ritchie once said, you know, people always say, uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. But to me, uh, you're in the game. This is life. This is how things work. So you better fall in love with the game and use it to your advantage in any way you possibly can. So my thoughts aren't about pushing back on the uh, measurables. It's about making space in our mind for the unmeasurables. Recognizing that no matter how goofy or fun or lighthearted your whatever it is that you are working on creating right now, by embracing this curious way of looking at the things that we were making, you start to recognize that every single thing you make is sacred. And when you stop worrying about the immediate results, the immediate reception of people, we do that freaking all the time. You put a song out, how many downloads, how many likes did you just get on that post on Instagram? The immediate results, when we choose to look past that shit, you start to realize that this is a long game that we're playing. I mean, even take Kevin Smith, for example. His movies uh, were considered a failure in the box office. He was super bummed uh, by the lack of, quote, success it did in the initial box office release. But all of them found their unique audiences in the VHS blockbuster rental world later on, years down the line. I mean, take one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Breaking Bad. Very few people watched Breaking Bad until the fourth season aired. I mean, even the first season got cut short because there was a writer's strike. And then it was overshadowed by Mad Men came out. And the world of like Netflix online streaming wasn't really a thing yet. So seasons one through three, they're making the show still not knowing 
how massive of an impact they're going to make. It didn't start happening until season freaking four of that show. What album are you on right now? Yeah, what? how many EPs have you put out in your life? How many full-length albums have you, have you put out? Have you put out three albums and you're thinking, man, I just freaking, I, I just, I'm just not having the reception or finding the audience like I thought it would by this point in time. Maybe this isn't a glitch in the matrix. Yeah, maybe this is just how things worked. If it didn't hit for you right off the bat, uh, if those numbers, those, those metrics you were hoping to hit, those measurables didn't hit right off the bat, maybe you just haven't found your format yet. Maybe it's more about being honest with yourself. And when you are, you realize that when it comes to results, they aren't always immediate. And you may actually never know who or how whatever it is you're making right now is going to impact somebody's life in a major way someday. Yeah. Starting to view it like that, you start realizing that everything you are making right now is sacred. <laughs> and let me tell you right now, thank God. We don't know whose lives, what we're going to make are impacting us right now. Uh, because if you're anything like me, I would get way in my head about it. I think about uh, something Noel Gallagher of the band Oasis once said about uh, writing the song Wonderwall. He said that uh, he had gone out uh, drinking with friends and came back to the hotel and just picked up the guitar and just wrote. It was like a stream of consciousness and bleh, Wonderwall came out. And he didn't even necessarily know what it all meant at that time. He wrote it down in his notebook, put it away, and didn't come back to it for another year or so. And then when he revisited it, they recorded it. And this song went out to be one of the most recognizable songs ever written, sung by millions of people uh, at their shows throughout the years. And he was saying that, man, I'm, I'm so thankful I didn't know how massive or important this song was going to be because if I did know, I would have never put it out there. Yeah, maybe the curiously unknown, uh, the vague, the questions, maybe that's not only not a bad thing, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe there's something there. Maybe that's the only way we're able to put something out into the universe is because of the unknownness of where it will go and who it will impact. Everything you are making right now is sacred.